You are listening to the Coggin Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. In the midst of loneliness and dissatisfaction, Coggin wants to help you learn God's truth in a supportive community that pursues a full life in Jesus. If you want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.cogginchurch.org. It's been a great week coming off the Easter weekend cross service and just God moved mightily in that. And this morning we already had a baptism and such great worship and, and you're here. So praise God for you. I'm just so honored to be your pastor. We, we believe um, in God's word and its power. So if you brought it with you this morning, I pray that you did. Let's open together to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Starting a new series just coming off of Easter about the I am statements, about who Jesus is and how he reveals himself to us. And I love this series, especially coming right after Easter because there's so much confusion about who the world thinks Jesus is. So often we we make Jesus into the savior that we want him to be. This can happen on a large scale, collectively, like a nation, or it can happen on a micro scale in your own heart. And it's so funny to say this as a pastor, you know, we need to have clarity on who Jesus is because there's confusion. I feel like pastors have been saying that for 2,000 years because there's always a, a, a belief or a draw to a belief that, that makes Jesus a little different than who he actually is. C.S. Lewis has a quote, Mere Christianity, where he says, there's a lot of soft soap. I love that term. Soft soap about Jesus and God today. That term just means a lot of pleasantries spoken about Jesus, a lot of nice comments made, like Jesus is a a good teacher. That sounds good. Jesus is a good teacher. Makes me feel good to say it. But then we don't believe anything that he says. There's people that say, Jesus is a good example, and that feels good to say, yeah, be like Jesus. But we don't do anything that he does. People want Jesus to be this politically correct, tolerant, not offend anybody, nice guy that everybody can like. That's just not who Jesus is going to be if you're going to believe the Jesus of the Bible. Don't hear me wrong. Understand me. Jesus is a good teacher. More than that, he's the best teacher. Jesus is a good example. He's the perfect example for us to follow. But he's also convicting and challenging and dangerous. And he was not always, in his day even, politically correct. He wasn't tolerant of lies and a lack of truth. And so he would challenge people and offend them. He would convict believers as they got off path. And so as I was thinking about this series, I'm like, you know, it's, it's time instead of making Jesus into who we want him to be, to be palatable for our society, let's let Jesus speak for himself. That's what he does in the I am statements. And if you want to know somebody, by the way, here's some free advice. If you want to know who somebody really is, just ask them. Let them speak for themselves. Let their actions show you who they really are. And in the seven I am statements, Jesus is crystal clear about who he is. And it's going to be, get ready for it, contrary to much of what our society wants to believe about him. Two words. 
I am. Tell us who Jesus is. And to understand the power behind the I am statements, there's seven of them in the Gospel of John we're gonna dive into. Before we jump into John 10, I want us to back up a couple chapters to John chapter eight. So if you have your Bibles, just turn there quickly and I'm gonna kind of just lightning fast go through that chapter. Jesus is doing in John eight, which he's doing all the time. He's interacting with Jewish leadership because he, he upset the, the leadership structure or the religious structure of the day and they wanna know who he is. Questions like, who do you think you are? And he's like, I'll tell you who I am. I'm, I'm God's son. I'm, I'm sent by the father to do his will. In fact, he tells Jesus, Jesus tells these Pharisees and Jewish leaders in John chapter eight, if you would have known my father, you would have known me. Why? Because he sent me. And they're like, you talking crazy. So they start going back and forth to Jesus and really challenging his thoughts about who he says he is. And they go in there like, well, you know what? Well, God's our father because Abraham's our father. So they try to claim they have the right stock or the right family lineage. And Jesus even challenges them on that. He's like, no, if, if, let's say you say Abraham's your father, but you don't do what Abraham did. You don't even follow the law. And, and if Abraham was truly your father, you would know me, he tells him in John chapter eight, because he rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. I'm like, you, you definitely crazy. Now you must be possessed by a demon. He says, no, I'm not possessed by a demon. I was sent by God to bring honor to his name, and now you dishonor me. And they bring up the fact that you're not even 50 years old yet. They tell him as we move towards the end of John chapter 58. And they were right. He was only in his early 30s. They're like, how can you even know Abraham or say that he knows you and he could see your day? How is that possible? And Jesus says this. The one verse I want to point out to you in John chapter 8, verse 58. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, meaning before Abraham was born, I am. Kind of a weird way to say it, isn't it? What does that mean? Well, they knew what he meant because they pick up stones to throw at him and kill him. In that moment when Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am, he was claiming to be one with the Father. He was claiming to be divine. He was claiming to be God in the flesh. And that was blasphemy. And if he was wrong, they absolutely were justified to pick up stones and try to kill him. But he was right. So Jesus is the divine God of the universe. Says things about himself that we have to believe. And push back about what society is trying to create him and make him into be. See, what Jesus is doing in John chapter 8 and 9 and even in 10 and all the I am statements, he's not just saying, I am there. It's the Greek words, ego, I me. He's hearkening our minds, if you would travel with me quickly, back to Exodus chapter 3. Do you remember what's going on in Exodus chapter 3? It's Moses and God having a conversation. God's in the burning bush. Moses is literally shaking in his sandals. And, and God is speaking to Moses and saying, I want you, Moses, to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Moses is like, uh, I'm a little nervous about that, as he should have been. He's like, okay, so if I go, who should I tell him that sent me? Do you remember what God says in Exodus 3? I am who I am. You tell him, I am sent you. 
those Hebrew words in the Old Testament form in Hebrew what we now claim to be the personal name of God, Yahweh. And when they translate the Old Testament into Greek, it's called the Septuagint. Do you know what Greek words they use for I am in Exodus chapter 3? Ego I me. The exact words that Jesus uses in John chapter 8. He's claiming divinity. And that's a huge statement. He doesn't say, I'm a good teacher. No, he was. He doesn't just say, I- I'm a great example. He says, I am God. And all these different ways he says it. And this week, he starts with, I am the door, I am the gate. Let's turn together. John chapter 10, would you stand with me? I'm reading out of the NIV this morning. Usually, I'm in the NASB because I feel like they do a good job of of describing what Jesus is saying here. Again, interacting with Jewish leadership. Just like he did in John 8, and we'll find out in John now in John 10. He goes, I'll tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. (laughs) Kind of looking ahead, he's basically telling the Pharisees, that's you. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. See, you don't drive sheep 2,000 years ago. You lead sheep. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus, in verse 6, uses this figure of speech, but they didn't pick up what he was throwing down. They did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus says, let's try it a different way. I say again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. That's a great word. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life abundantly or may have life and have it to the full. This is God's word. Please be seated. So, so we see this morning together that Jesus is the gate, and we must enter through him to enjoy not only eternal life, but daily abundance. And he tries to help the Pharisees understand what they're missing in him. And, and the first thing he tries is to show them that he's this shepherd, and that the reason that they don't follow him as their shepherd because they don't recognize his voice. And it's a beautiful illustration of what just happened in John chapter 9. See, in John chapter 9, I know we're covering a lot of scripture. I I encourage you, go back this week and just dissect it yourself. Just read John 8, 9, and 10. It's not going to hurt you. It's going to be great. In John chapter 9, he heals a blind man. Been blind from his birth. This, This blind man is flabbergasted. He hears the voice of his Savior and can be healed because he sees Jesus for who he is. As the shepherd and the healer in everything that he needs. The Pharisees aren't buying it. They they question the blind man. They question his parents. And they ultimately reject the blind man. And they reject Jesus. And and, in John chapter 10, Jesus is just trying to further explain what they missed in John chapter 9. I'm the shepherd, but you don't see it. I'm calling you unto pasture land where there's plenty to eat and nourishment to, to drink. And you're missing it. 
Shepherd is a key theme in Jesus' life. Shepherd is a key theme in Scripture. Shepherd is a key theme in the Old Testament. God himself claims to be the shepherd, and Jesus now is the shepherd. And we'll have another I am statement about the good shepherd. So much is, is based on this idea, this ancient concept of, of a shepherd. Even the word pastor, which I humbly hold that title. I'm, I'm technically not the shepherd, I'm the under-shepherd, but that word pastor means shepherd. When we create ideas about leadership and we start writing books about it, we think things like, well, a leader needs to nourish and guide and protect and care for those under him or her. Yeah, that's right. Where do we get that idea? A shepherd. It's so much a part of things that we do every day and so much a part of God's word. Another fact that you need to know about shepherds 2,000 years ago, not only did they not drive the sheep like we may do with dogs or ATVs today. They would lead the sheep, but they would also keep many flocks of sheep in one sheep pen. And a sheep pen would just be a stone wall that was all sides protected, and there would be one gate. You could enter and exit that gate only. The wall was high enough to keep the sheep in and to keep the predators out, and on the top were these like thistles to, to keep the predators from coming in as well. And, and if you're a shepherd, you would go by the shepherd gate and the watchmen would recognize you and, and what, what would happen next would be so cool. I've seen it, by the way. They'd just walk up to the gate and it would open and I don't know if they'd say, hey, let's go guys or whatever the shepherd would say, but he would start talking and his sheep, that there was flocks of sheep in there, his sheep would recognize his voice. They would follow him through the shepherd gate and he would just start walking. That's how you know when you're leading, by the way, when people are following. Otherwise, you're just taking a walk by yourself. So he's leading and they're following him to pasture land where you can eat and drink and have protection. And he's telling the Pharisees, you're missing it. If, if a gatekeeper or a watchman were to see somebody jump over the wall to the sheep, they wouldn't think that's a shepherd. Because the shepherd always uses the gate and the sheep always reckon as a shepherd. They would say, that's a thief and a robber and we must attack that. And attack them because they're causing more damage to the sheep than they're helping the sheep. And Jesus saying, congratulations, that's you. The Pharisees, not you as an audience, but to the Pharisees, that's what they were doing. They, they came in not by a way that God ordained. They were supposed to be caring for the sheep, but they ended up hurting and taking advantage of the sheep. And Jesus is saying, you're doing it all wrong. I, on the other hand, am the shepherd. God has ordained me to this position, and he proves it because he was born perfect, lived a perfect life. He performed miracles to prove that he was God in the flesh. He did teaching like he's doing now that nobody could refute. He died as our substitute on the cross. He rose from the dead, and he's the only one that can say, follow me, and you should listen. The Pharisees should have been pointing people to him. In fact, my whole job really boils down to something pretty simple. As an under-shepherd of the shepherd, my job is to point you to him so that you don't follow me unless I'm following him. And where I depart, you follow him. That was the Pharisees' jobs. And yet they were taking advantage of and manipulating the people. And I cannot read John chapter 10 without hearing Ezekiel chapter 34, where God is reprimanding the under-shepherds who did it wrong. Even thousands of years before he was teaching here in John 10, and long before now, in Exodus 34, 2, he says, Thus says the Lord, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? 
You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. This is the accusation that Jesus is making and God has already made to the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees were corrupt. And they benefited off of the abuse of the people. And they neglected things like the finances and pastoral care and theological guidance. They started creating rules on their own. And those who were supposed to be leading the people of God to God were leading the people of God away from God to themselves. And the same challenge that Jesus has for the Pharisees, unfortunately, I think Jesus can levy against some pastors and teachers and leaders today. Woe to the modern pastor who puts personal gain over spiritual needs in their congregation, placing himself in the position of a shepherd without proper authority like Jesus had. That's pretty stiff for me. I'm gonna check myself every time I hear passages like this. I think many pastors around the nation need to be checked, but this message is not for them, it's for you. So here, here's what it boils down to. Have you heard the shepherd's voice? Has the shepherd called you out of a life of selfishness and sin into a life of repentance and faith in him? If so, are you following him? Not, not, not super complicated stuff today. You know you're listening to his voice when you're believing what he says and you're doing what he does. See, to, to, to be a sheep is to be with the shepherd and the shepherd and his ways kind of get all over you. You start spending time with him. You become what we call, Daniel, an apprentice of him. And you, by spending time with him, you learn about him. And then you want to worship him. And then you want to be like him. And by being like him, you don't only learn what he said, you, you, you do what he does. If you're here today and you, you haven't heard the shepherd's voice. I've been praying for you this week like I did on the Easter week that that you would hear it today. That you'd hear him calling you away from the, the voices of the world that are telling you to follow them because there's thousands of voices out there. And he would call you into salvation today. That's been my prayer. Because really for the believer and unbeliever alike, it really boils down to what voices are you listening to? Do you recognize his voice and is he guiding you? There's lots of voices out there that can say a lot of different things. They can call you to greed. They can call you to lust. They can call you to personal power. They can call you and tell you these things are going to bring you fulfillment. Other voices can tell you that you'll never be good enough. The voice of the enemy is always going to tell you you need more. The voice of yourself is going to tell you you can control your own life. You can listen to those voices and find yourself in the desert of despair alone pleading for help. Or you can listen to the voice of your Savior calling, follow me. And here's what it means by that. I am enough. There's so many struggles in my life that boil down to me not believing that one thing. That he is enough. That I can trust him no wherever he leads. You say, Pastor, I don't tell the difference between the, the voice of the Savior and the voice of the world because there's so many. I mean, they're on TikTok, they're on Facebook, they're on the internet, they're coming from your family members, they're coming from your friends. Those voices are everywhere. God's given you a whole book just for you. Inspired by his spirit, written by his spirit through men to guide you into the voice 
of your shepherd to help you recognize it so you can distinguish it from the voice of the world. The question is not, is it here? It's here. I got a bunch of copies in my office. I got them on my phone. I got them everywhere. Are you reading it? This is the number one way to tell the difference. But I think even with just you and your spirit, there's lots of things you can pick up on. For example, the, the voice of the enemy is always going to be taking life from you, leaving you down and depressed, where the voice of the Father and the voice of your shepherd is always going to be speaking life into you. It's a big difference. The voice of God, by the way, always comes in clear statements of truth, like, stop it. <laughs> Follow me. You are in sin. I love you. And you are my child. And we could go on and on. Always clear statements of truth. No manipulating. No leading. Where the voice of the enemy is always going to be more emotional and sneaky and, and try to manipulate you and say things like, who do you think you are? Do you really think you're good enough for that? Or how could you live with yourself after doing that? That's not God. That's the enemy trying to use guilt to destroy you. God may bring guilt to you, but only to convict you so that you can have forgiveness and walk in life and victory again. Never depression and never defeat. That's not what God wants. Listen to your shepherd. The Pharisees didn't get it. So he goes with another way to look at it. Look at verses six through 10. If Jesus is our shepherd and you don't get that, he says, well, I want you to see me as the gate that you must go through. He talks for a few minutes to the Pharisees and verse six basically tells us that they're, they're mouth breathing. Right, glazed look on their faces. They don't see it. He's like, okay, let, let me tell you this then. I'm the shepherd and you don't hear my voice, you're missing it. How about this? I'm the gate that you must go through I'm the one you're missing if you want to have life worth living. It says it like this in verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. The I am statement is right here. I am, and there's always a predicate explanation. I am the what? The door. I am the gate. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. You say, Pastor, saved from what? Everything. As an unbeliever, let's start there. You're saved from the penalty of sin that is eating away at your soul. You're saved from the penalty of sin, which is death and eternal separation from God. That's good, but the, the salvation or the saving doesn't stop there. If Jesus is your shepherd, he'll save you from all those things in your life that got you down or trying to kill you. The depressive things of the world, the negative things of the world, the hurtful things of the world. It doesn't mean you won't go through it, but he can guide you in it and during it. This is the promise of your Savior that you will be saved. But not only that, he says you'll go in and you'll come out. Basically, you'll travel with me and you'll find pasture. If you want to know God, if you want to have eternal life, if you want to have a joyous life and purpose in your life, you must follow the shepherd, meaning you must enter the shepherd gate. The Pharisees missed it. We see that clearly. But those who do see him as that those do hear his voice. Those that do enter the gate will find what? Look at the word here, pasture. That's a neglected term. It's a powerful term. What does it mean? Spiritually, it means a place of comfort and a place of peace. I was thinking about it this week. There, in that pasture with Jesus, 
there's things that are worth leaving the safety of the sheep pen for. Because that can be kind of scary. If you're here today kind of like, I don't, I don't know about that, following Jesus out there. There's wolves out there, y'all. <laughs> and some of them are in sheep's clothing. Some of them might be here today. I'm not trying to point you out. I'm just saying it could be. There's a lion for sure. In 1 Peter it says, your enemy, the devil, is like a, a prowling lion looking, not just for someone, looking for you to devour. It's dangerous out there. You're going to be parched. You're going to be tired. You're going to be weary. You're going to be hungry. But there's things that you get even out there in the dangerous world with Jesus as your shepherd that makes it worth it. And I see five things in Psalm 23 that I want to leave with you before we leave this concept of Jesus as the shepherd gate. I won't read Psalm 23, but you, you know it. You, you've probably read it before. There's a reason that it's quoted almost at every funeral. There's a reason that your, your mom and your grandma probably had you memorize it. There's a reason that shepherd's psalm is still powerful today. Because it tells us five things about a shepherd that's fulfilled in Jesus, that's waiting for you if he's your shepherd today. Number one benefit of having Jesus as your shepherd that I get from Psalm 23 is everlasting contact with the shepherd. A shepherd never left his flock. He was always with them. The psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because everything that I want is in my shepherd, Jesus Christ, who is always with me, day and night, never leaving my side. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, and I will dwell in your presence forever. Daily contact is a Wonderful benefit of having Jesus as your shepherd. Benefit number two is because he's always with you, he'll always guide you, which means you'll always have everlasting guidance from the shepherd. I know so many people out in our world today, believer and unbeliever alike, to be honest, that are aimless, wandering, hopeless, and lost. Not just lost in sin, but I mean like lost, like I don't know where I'm going. That's a human projection on a misunderstanding about who Jesus is. That's a human projection with a misunderstanding about what Scripture is. With Jesus as your shepherd, you will never be lost again. The world may be crazy. Your finances could be up or down. I don't know. Your family may be turning on you, but with Jesus, you always have a guide. What does Jesus say? He says, seek first. That's a guiding term. Seek, it's an action to go after, to look at, to pursue. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things that are distracting you will be taken care of on their own. It's a real benefit to have everlasting guidance from the shepherd. Where will he guide you? Benefit number three, to provision Everlasting provision comes from Jesus, your shepherd. The psalmist says, there's gonna be water to drink and food to eat. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He will, he will lead me beside those quiet waters. Is that, is that not just the most beautiful picture in your mind of tranquility? <laughs> the kids aren't crying. My family loves me. My finances are good. However those things you, you interpret as tranquil, that, that's the picture but what's great about this tranquil waters, this quiet waters, is that it, it can happen even when those things are messed up. I'm telling you, having a shepherd is awesome. What about those, those, those fields of grass? I, I used to picture that like, it's just a never ending, you know, St. Augustine or wheat fields, rolling hills, and I just dive in there and just eat to my fill. You ever been to Israel? 
I have. There's not a lot of those. You know, there is a lot of rocks. Lead me beside those, those fields of green. What does that look like in Israel? It looks like the shepherd taking the sheep out to a rocky pasture and showing them, here's a tuff of grass that's just enough. Oh, no, here's, a, here's another tuff of grass and here's some water. And if you just keep following me, there'll always be enough. Because I know Monday, probably for you, doesn't look like rolling hills of never-ending provision in your life. It probably looks like a rocky, stony, hot pasture in Israel. But with you following your shepherd, Monday, here's a little tuft of grass as you read his word and spend time in prayer. And on Tuesday, I know a bad thing's happening, but here's what you need for provision. And Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and all the days of your life, following your shepherd in his word and in prayer, abiding in him, there will always be enough tufts of grass to go around. That's what it means to have everlasting provision. And he'll provide it because he's your shepherd. And if there's always everlasting provision, benefit number four means that there's always be everlasting hope. We live in such a hopeless world. Every time I watch the news, and I don't do it very often anymore, there's a financial crisis and China's trading our dollar and military and nuclear weapons and Russia. It's all gonna end. But yet the next day it's not. But it's all gonna end. And, but the next day it doesn't. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to end, but I know this. It doesn't matter what tomorrow holds because I have hope in Jesus who is my shepherd. That the worst thing that the world can do to you is take your life from you and there you are, transition to heaven. Even if there's something worse than that you can imagine, you can still have hope in Christ as your shepherd. That's the deal, guys. That's the, that's the benefit of giving everything to him. He gives you hope. And finally, we have everlasting life with the shepherd. This is the one that we usually focus on. But, but instead of it being listed first in Psalm 23, I want you to notice it's the last benefit you'll taste. It's fine to think about everlasting life in heaven with Jesus, but did you know that that everlasting life, like I've said before, starts today? Forever is not just then, it's right now. You can live forever with Jesus today. And the things that you probably need to hear more of is that you have Everlasting contact and guidance and provision and hope with Jesus as your shepherd. I was in Africa on my first mission trip, I don't know, 15 years ago, a long time ago. I remember watching something that I didn't believe until I saw it. I watched this shepherd. I mean, it's like stepping back 2,000 years. There was no vehicles and it was just how they lived 2,000 years ago. And the shepherd walked into the city square and he had a shepherd's staff and he put it down and he started calling out for the sheep. And all these sheep were in their own individual sheep pens and, and it happened because, I mean, I saw it. And they all started coming out at the sound of his voice, all the individual homes, and they lined up behind the shepherd because he was gonna do what? Guide them. And where did he take them? He did what shepherds do. He guided them to protection and provision. Jesus spiritually is standing here today the same way he stood for 2,000 years. At the center of your life, crying out to you in your own individual homes, come and follow me. 
I am enough. A, a simple question. Would you hear the voice of your Savior today and follow him? If you're an unbeliever, that means maybe hearing his voice for the first time. And if the Spirit is moving in your soul, what you need to do today is wrestle with God about it. It may not happen in an instant, or it might. If it needs to happen in an instant, let God do it in a moment. But wrestle with it. Ask the questions. Challenge the scriptures. Talk to the Spirit. Ask a friend and let God bring you to repentance and faith. That's what the shepherd's calling you. You must follow him. Not just say a prayer and have the salvation card you put in your pocket. No, following Jesus, you may confess and repent and believe. That's day one. It's every day the shepherd's got to take you back out to the pasture and show you those patches of grass and give you that water. Know that going into it if you're thinking about making a decision today. It's a lifelong, everyday, dying to yourself journey. That's what Jesus is offering. But I want to tell you, it's worth it. I've been living it a long time and it's awesome. But as a believer... Maybe you're here today and the voice of the Savior's been calling and, and, and like me, I've, I've never aimlessly wandered into sin as a believer. Like, oops, here I am, what happened? I know better than that. So the benefit of being a believer is I hear the Savior's voice. If I'm gonna live in sin, I have to ignore the voice and choose sin over him. And I know when I do it every time. It comes from listening to the, long, the wrong voice. Maybe you're here today and you've been listening to the wrong voices on social media or your friends or your family members and it's time to say enough, enough. I hear my Savior say, come and follow me. And you're making a commitment today to follow him, to be with him, to believe him and who he says he is, not what the world says, and to do what he's asked you to do. I love what Sam said today. Because as a believer, here's something that he wants you to do. You need to look at other people in the world that are helpless because they don't have a shepherd and you need to go to them and have compassion for them and bring them back here to your green pasture. Bring them back to your house. Bring them to a coffee shop and tell them about how awesome your Savior is. Let's pray. God, you're so awesome. We, we could go on and on, but I think it's, it's pretty clear here in, in John 10 that, Lord Jesus, you want us to see you as our shepherd and, and the voice we must follow and the gate we have to enter through. There is no other way to those pastures that you talk about in eternity or even tomorrow without you, Lord Jesus. That is true. Help us to believe. And however you need to work today, Holy Spirit, we just we, we give you the freedom to do it. Find the soul that needs to repent and believe and weigh heavy until they give in. Find the wandering, believing soul and bring it to conviction. Help us as a church to be known at Coggan Avenue as the church that, that follows the ways of Christ. Lord, would you use us as we go out in the rocky pastures of this week and use us to find other lost sheep that are now where we were and say, hey, I got this shepherd. He saved me. He provides for me. He's always with me. Would you help us see them in our community and reach out? Oh, we love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, do your work today. It's in that name, Jesus Christ, everybody said, amen. Would you stand with me? We hope that you have enjoyed this sermon audio from Coggin Avenue Baptist Church. If you'd like to learn more about us or know what it means to follow Jesus, 
visit us online at www.cogginchurch.org.